This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So, the first passage begins like this. Re'e, you have C, right? C. Anoichi, noichim, lifneichem, ayem, brachol, I present to you today a blessing and a curse. Okay? So we're going to play around with the words a little bit. Number one. Re'e anoichi. Kodesh Baruch Hu is saying, you need to see me. Right? That's the first thing. It's a connection with God, which we're going to speak about tonight. And every single day, a person has a choice. Every one of us has a choice. Is that they're going to be a bracha, or is that they're going to be a klola? How, how, how can you affect, how can you affect the day if it's going to be a bracha or a klola? It's a bracha if you want the day to be a bracha. You listen to the mitzvahs of Hashem your God, which I commanded you today. Haklala, a bad day. If you go off the derech, right? By the way, here's a place where it's going off the derech. And you'll go after other gods, which you don't know. So, there's a kasha here, and the kasha I ask pretty much every year. Um, and the Kasha is as follows. It doesn't really make sense what the Pasuk is saying. Uh, the Pasuk is saying the following. Today I'm giving you a bracha call. Esha bracha, the bracha, esha bracha, the bracha. You're going to listen to all the mitzvahs and commands that God gave me today. Yeah. What's the bracha? Plus it doesn't tell us. What's the bracha? My trees are going to grow. I'm going to have healthy children. I'm going to become rich. I'm going to get married. Doesn't say the bracha. Okay, let's take a look at the klala. La klala, and the curse is going to be, if you're not going to listen to the mitzvahs of Hashem, your God, right? And you're going to go after all the gods, which you don't know. So what's the punishment? What am I going to do? Get Gehenim? Lose my money? What's the punishment? Nothing. Terry doesn't tell us anything. All of a sudden, changes the subject. And you're going to go to the land that uh, you're going to inherit. I'm going to give a bracha on one mountain. It's like, well, I'll able. And we have a, a call on the next mountain. It's not telling us where they are. So your whole opening, your whole opening of, of, of the parsha that you're going to, the bracha is going to be this and the call is going to be this. The Torah never tells us. So what's going on over here? So I can just tell you from my experience and from the last couple of weeks, years, weeks, months, a person who's not connected to God, a person who doesn't follow in the midst of Hashem, it's Mamash a curse. The, the, the reason that the human being has to be so connected today with with the internet and the cell phones and the the Instagram and and you guys see my picture, you guys see your picture, you guys see everything I'm doing. I'm eating a bag of potato chips. You need to see the bag of potato. You, right? You, you, we have to. We are so interconnecting. We have to be. We have to be so connected every second. Is because. Well, the relationship that we have, and I just spent a lot of time on this week because 
did a lot of shalom bias. Like, like, I, 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 like so many marriages, like married two years, married four years, married a year, falling apart, and it's like it's 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 terrifying. And and really, some of these marriages, like I'm looking at these two, and they're really good for each other. They really are good for each other. Just have no, they have just no idea how to how to relate. And and our whole generation, really, we don't know really how to relate at all. Um, we definitely don't know how to listen. Um, we're continuously, you know, you get a message, you send the message. You, you don't you don't have time to sit and think about the message you got because you instantly have to send another message, and that's the whole internet is back back around and forth. So you really you really don't have time to digest. You know, and if you see people that are doing it, they're like, right? And, and, and they erase it, you know, if they don't want their parents to see whatever. They erase it right away, and they go to the next one, they erase it right away, they go to the next one. They don't even have time to, to read it again and, and, and digest it. So, so, so it's so surface. Our, our relationships are just so surface, because that's what, that's what's going on right now. Everything's very, very, you know, it's very, very commercial, and it's very, very surface, and, and we don't, we don't even have time to, uh, I remember my grandfather was in the old days, they actually used to eat slower. And I'm, I'm, I'm serious. If you watch, go to a restaurant, I'm not kidding, go to a restaurant, watch people eat, they gobble. They much gobble, I'm serious. They just, they just, you know, burger goes down in five seconds. And, and, and the doctors, you know, like, like, um, one of the people that I went to, he asked me, do you chew, do you chew your food slowly, let your body get used to it, let your body digest it? Or, because the, the nutrients in the food, if you don't chew it, right, it just goes, it goes, everything goes right through your system. So what you learn goes through your system, your relationship goes through your system, your food goes through your system. N- nothing has any time. There's no, there's no, there's no time. There's no, there's no connection. And it's like the biggest curse, because guess what? You can't have a relationship with your parents, you can't have a relationship with your, with your spouse, you don't have a relationship with yourself, and you definitely can't have a relationship with God. You don't have time for anything. You don't have any time at all, and they're just bombarding you and bombarding these kids, you know, with, 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 with everything, and not only kids, with, with adults. So, so we're doing drugs, and we're and we're and we're and we're gambling, and we're we've got every addiction, you know, that you can imagine. Anything, you know, eating is an addiction today. They have groups, right? OA. Everything has an A at the end, right? OA, you know, overeaters, you know, anonymous, alcoholics, anonymous, gambling, anonymous. I don't even want to go into the other anonymouses, which you know they are, right? So every every pretty much. Every human action that a person does, there's an A after it today. It's an addiction. Why? Because we, we don't have a real life. We really don't have a real life. And we're, we don't really, we're not, we're not connected. So, so the Torah, a long time ago, thousands of years ago, is telling us that the biggest klala, it doesn't say, if you don't listen to the mitzvahs, you're gonna burn in hell. If you don't listen to the mitzvahs, I'm gonna, you're gonna get sick. If you don't listen to the mitzvahs, you're going to lose all your money. No threats here. There's no threats. There's no... But it says, what's the curse? The curse is disconnecting. That's the curse. But it also tells us something else. And I hear this from a lot of guys and a lot of girls. They're like, listen, I don't have God in my life, but I don't have anyone else in my life. In other words, I'm not Christian. I'm not Muslim. I'm not down, down, bowing down to this little fat Buddha. You know what I mean? I'm not a Hindu. I'm not bowing down to no cow. You know, I'm not a sun worshiper. So, so I don't have God, but I don't have anything else. No, the Torah tells you, no, darling, it doesn't work that way. It says, Besatim and Haderech, if you're going to go off the Derech, where are you going to go? Where are you going? You go, when you go off one street, you have to go into another street, right? Everything in the physical world is the spiritual world. If you get off Avenue J and you make a right, you're going to be on East 18th, 19th, 17th, Ocean Parkway, somewhere, if you get off Avenue J, right? You're just not getting off Avenue J and being nowhere. 
So the Torah is telling me, if you go off the derech, I'm telling you where you're going. You're going to end up going after things that you don't even know, that you don't even understand. Right? And, and you got 13, 14 year old kids going, you know, doing drugs. And, and they, they don't, they don't understand anything about drugs. They just know I got, I, I'm not happy where I am right now. And you, you know, you got kids doing all kinds of crazy. I got, I got 14 year old kids gambling, playing poker, you know? It's, it's, we need to play poker for you. What do you need money for? Your parents are giving you money, right? It, it's, you don't even know what they're doing. They, they're going, they're just, they're just, I'm not here. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going everywhere. I'm going anywhere. And the Torah is telling us that you need to know something. If you don't have God, you're going to have something else. And the funny part is that AA, right, that all these A's, they won't call them God, but they'll call them a higher power. So there, it's, 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 it, it's not that fascinating to me because I, I know, I, I, right? So what, no, what I'm saying is that that you know they they're not original because because what the Torah is telling us over here is that if you go off right you become, and you start drinking or drugging or whatever you're doing to get back you have to have a higher power. If you don't have that relationship. They understood, they're not Jews, right? They're Goyim. I don't know who wrote the book, The Twelve Steps. But whoever wrote it, right? He wasn't sitting and learning. And, 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 but it's based on, on, based on Yiddishkeit. Because they're saying, what they're saying is, if you don't have a higher power, which is God, right? If you don't have a higher power, you will stay in at it. The Twelve Steps is, you must have a higher power. So what they're saying is what the story is saying. If you don't have God, then you will go off the derech and go to another God. When it says another God, it doesn't necessarily mean another God. It's, it's just a, another thing that you're going to connect yourself to. So it's not, it's not like AA came up with this brilliant thing over here. The Torah is telling us in Pashas Re'eh. The bottom line is at the end of the day that you, you cannot lose God and just stay neutral. You're gonna, you, because why? Why? Because we are part of God. So when you, when you deny your connection to who you are, then you, you're going to either find anesthesia because you have this void that's hurting you, or you're, you're just going to look to connect to something, something very powerful, or something that's going to dull your head. And and it's an interesting thing because if you sit in an AA meeting, the first thing they do is the higher power. And 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 the funny part is that they do it in churches. Yeah, they do it in the basement of the church, but they do it in a church because it is about religion. And they, they understand that. We don't understand that, but they understand that. They understand to break addiction, you have to have a higher power. You have to be connected to God. And, and this is second, second, third part, second part, the Pasuk tells us, listen to me, it is the worst curse. If you're not going to listen to the mitzvahs of Hashem, you think you're going to be happy? You think you're going to find it in a girl? You think you're going to find a bottle of whiskey? You think you're going to find it in a casino? No. In the end of the day, you're going to be ended up broke, hurt, empty, drunk, on drugs, whatever it is, and feeling total no fulfillment. And this is what the Pasuk tells us. And you're going to go after Elohim Achem, Ashalei Yudatem. Did you don't even know? You know, you're going to try stuff that you don't even know. It's not like you're going to, you know, you're basketball, you're going to find your solace in basketball. Basketball is not going to do it for you. You're going, to, you're going to have to find it somewhere else. If you don't have God, you're going to be looking for it in, in, in a place that you don't even know. You don't even understand. And this is the Torah is telling us. The Torah is telling us this is what's going to happen. I deal with it every single day. 
every single day. And you listen to what Rashi says, it's very scary. He says the following, Mikan Amru, that, that in the end, the person's going to end up doing a Zara. It's interesting, you know, they have this, um, this girl wants to do an interview, I met this girl in Muncie, whatever, I was speaking there, she wants to do an interview with me on half Shabbos. You know, half Shabbos is this new thing where kids text on Shabbos. So it has a name, it's called half Shabbos. I keep half Shabbos, the whole group. I keep half Shabbos from kids. These girls, right, and these boys would not take a bone out of fish on Shabbos because it's Baira. They would not have turn on a light. They wouldn't make a coffee directly from a Kelly Rishon. So, hey, what's up with you? And I've spoken to these kids. I'm like, so you're not rebelling, right? It's not like you hate God, you hate the Torah, or you'd flip a light on a Shabbos. Chas wouldn't touch a light. Would you turn a TV on? Chas wouldn't turn a TV on. Would you Would you take a bone out of a fish? Baira? No way, it's Baira. Well, it's Baira. Right? So I'm like, would you make a coffee straight from the hot water urn? No, you need a Kaylee Shaney. So I'm like, so what's the deal with the phone? You're texting at 11 o'clock on Friday night, and there's a bunch of girls doing it back. So what's the And all you girls are religious. What's the deal? So we've come to the conclusion that it's an addiction. In other words, they're not they're not rebelling against the Torah. They're just so used to texting a whole day and 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 having that phone in their hand, they can't help it. Just like a guy with a cigarette, no different. Even though a cigarette, for some reason, a guy can stop the whole Shabbos. But, but texting, since there are more than one girl doing it, so they, it's sort of a group thing. And, okay, Hashem will forgive me for this. Oh, Hashem will forgive me for this. Oh, but the, the bone out of the fish is a bigger problem than, you know, I mean, like that, that he won't forgive you and this he will forgive you. It became an addiction. But what happens is they really think that that's it. I'm stopping here. Once you break Shabbos, I just had a guy in my office. He said, I never broke Shabbos. Three weeks ago I broke Shabbos. And since then it's been downhill. You think you can just break one thing, and that's where it's going to stop. Yitzhak is very smart. Yitzhak is just, just one, it's like with the drink, just one drink. Just go to the casino once. Just, just, you know, text once on Shabbos. You'll see no fire is going to come out of heaven and burn you. You know what I'm saying? The world's not going to shake. You're not going to get destroyed. And you get away with that. And then you start to think, so this guy, this guy that came to speak to me this week, I know him very well. And at the end of my discussion with him, he says to me, and he, he didn't break Shabbos, he's, he's in his high 20s. So he has never been Mechal Shabbos till three weeks ago. Okay? He just, for whatever reason, he just was Mechal Shabbos. So, and it happened to have been a computer, he turned it on, he looked at his, whatever he did, it was Mechal Shabbos. At the end of the discussion, he says to me, by the way, how do you know there's a Hashem? At the end of the discussion. I said, did you hear what you just said? Did you hear what you just said? I said, you never were Mechal Shabbos. He always had a close relationship with God, right? And now you're asking me, you're an atheist? Now you're asking me, is he really a God? I said, you see, you thought, just turning on your computer on Shabbos, you're Mechal Shabbos, ah! Okay! I said, it's a couple of weeks and you're already not believing in God. That's what happens. And that's what the Torah is telling us. The Torah says, don't fool yourself. Because v'satim and aderech, what is, what is going to happen? You're going to end up leilich achrei lukim acherim. In the end, you went off a little bit. In the end, you're not going to even believe that there's a God. Says Rashi. I saw it, my own eyes this week. 
the guy at the end of the discussion, he's a religious guy. He made a mistake. He was Bechal Shabbos, right? Whatever it is. He did it on purpose, whatever it is. But that was it. The end of the discussion, and I said to him, I said, look how far you fell. You're already asking me at the end of the discussion, is there a God? And you were just Bechal Shabbos once. And you're in your high 20s. This is what, this is what Pasha read. And the other side, HaKash Baruch Hu says, as Bracha, what is the biggest bracha? So you think Hashem, they're going to say, and the bracha will be Ganeiden. No, I said Tishmo Mitzvah Hashem Olechechem. That you're going to listen to the mitzvahs of Hashem. Hashem Nech Mitzvah Hashem That is the biggest bracha of a person who's connected to God and does the will of God. And 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 I don't. I I am willing. I should have brought it with me for tonight's share. I did this ten years ago in Ornava. I never did this by the boys. Maybe I did it. I'm not, I don't think I did it by the boys. So I was having this whole discussion about music. And rap music and, and, and the whole thing. And, and the girls were saying, like, it's rap music and it's cool and, 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 and we like the music. It doesn't really affect us. Okay. So I went to Avenue M to the newspaper stand and I bought two rapper magazines. Right? Hashem Yishma, what was it? Was in a rapper magazine, but okay, whatever it was. And I cut out the, I cut out some of the rappers. Then I went to a, to the store on Avenue J where they sell rabbis' pictures, and I bought a picture of Rapam, Shmuel, a bunch of different pictures. And I said to the girls, "I'm not giving you a shear. I want to show you what these people look like, and I want to show you what these people look like." Now you're, you're thinking, I'm, "I'm looking to show the tattoos and all that." No, that's not what I was looking to show. I said, I don't even want you to look at their bodies and that kind of, you know, I want you to look at their face. And I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to look at the rabbi's faces that I bought. I should have brought it tonight. I'm sorry I didn't bring it. I want you to look at the rabbi's faces and I want you to look at the rapper's faces. And tell me who's happy. That's all I want to know. It's not about Judaism. Just look at the picture and this is not a share. Tell me. And we went one rapper, Ice-T, I gave him all the rappers and they had these gold teeth with the most murderous, angry look on their faces. Such hatred, because that's the look, I guess, right? Such hatred, such me. I mean, you meet that guy in the street, you, you, you're, you're out of I'm out of here, you know what I mean? If I meet that guy walking the street, I'm like, this guy wants to kill me, right? And, and, and some of them had some very nasty gestures on their pictures, you know? They were giving the people the, not a nice gesture, right? Or too nice, not, not nice gestures. It was crazy. And this is, who they're listening to. And I said, I'm not even talking about the Goyish part. Look at their faces. Now look at Rapam's face. Is he happy? Is he a loving person? Is he happy? Look at the faces. Tell me who's happy and who's not. There's no shower. What do you mean? Rapam has to keep Shabbos, with sisters all day, front filling, fast by all the fast days, keep all the 613 minutes. He should be miserable. This guy has 50,000 girls, all the drugs he wants, a, a stretch limo, a house in Hollywood, California, on the mountain, looking over the whole, the whole LA. The house is worth $14 million. He's got gold necklaces weighing his neck down that are worth who knows what. He's got diamond rings. He's showing you his diamond rings. He's showing you his gold. He's showing you his girls. He's showing you his house. Why is he so miserable? Miserable. And all these rabbis have no, they have none of this stuff. They just have a Chumash and a Gemara and a learning and a, and, 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 and Tyre and Hashem and they're glowing. 
and they look so happy, and they're not faking, they didn't, they didn't fake the pictures. These are pictures by, you know, where people, where they catch them, because they don't stand and pose for pictures. I said, that's Pashas Re'eh. That's what the Torah is telling us. The Torah is telling you, yeah, you think. The Torah tells you, oh, you're going to be miserable, you have to do this, you have to buy kosher, it's going to cost you extra money, and if you could just throw all this stuff off, you wouldn't be miserable. I have yet to meet a kid that's on the streets for three, three years or two years that's happy. Miserable. They're miserable. They're doing drugs. They have nothing in their life. Most of them have no money, right? Because they're just spending it on the stuff that they shouldn't spend. I have yet to meet a guy that when he's not high, when he's in his natural self, he's a happy guy. He's miserable. He's miserable. He's in pain. He's not happy. He's... And, and, and you can walk into Mir Yeshiva, you can walk into here, and guys who don't have to learn, they're learning here, you come at night, they're learning here from 8.30 to 9.30, and they're standing there, and they're yelling, and they're screaming, and they're having a coffee, and they're learning. Nobody forced them to come here. They're happy. They're not miserable. The other guys are miserable. The guys who have all the freedom, I don't got to learn, I got to do nothing. It works for a little bit, he gets them into the street a little bit. For three months after that, they're, they're, they're totally empty. They're walking around, I mean, just whatever. Before I walked in here, there's a couple of guys hanging out, you know, with their pants around their knees and their underpants showing. <laughs> like, hello. So, you're a happy guy? Like, a happy guy? They saw me, they took off. The, 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 the whole mood is, if you look at the mood, it's just like, it's like an angry mood. The whole street is angry. Unless they're high, they're angry. They're mamish angry. Everybody's angry. They look at you like they're angry. Like, you yeah, what? Like, what are you looking at? You think my pop ever said that? Right? Then you look at you think you look you think you look at a rub and he says like what are, you, what are you looking at? Right? You you look at any of them the wrong way, you you're gonna get shot. You know you don't have to show. You look the other way. What are you looking at, man? You don't like what you see? I'm like, I like what I see. Yeah, why do you like what you see, man? You can't win. I, the whole world is angry. So why why are they angry? Why are they angry? They have everything. Kids have everything today. There's nothing they don't have. They have money. They're driving at 16 in a Lexus. They have everything. And they're miserable. And they, they can't get enough of everything. And they're very impatient. And the Torah is telling us in Pashat Re'e, I'm telling you something. If you're not going to keep the mitzvahs and you're not going to be connected to Baruch Hu, it's the worst curse in the world. And if you are going to be connected, and I'm going to read you some stories about this today. If you are going to be connected, it's just a, it's just a, it's a very, very different life. I mean, I have a high school. I deal with my girls, and, and, and these are kids that have been on the street. Not one of these girls are happy. They're not happy. And, 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 and then you get the basic girl dan- prancing down the street. We've got all these crazy rules, and they're giggling, and they're laughing. And if you look at their face, it's just a, it's just a quiet, relaxed, you know. I'm not saying everybody. And, 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 my, and my girls, are just, they're, just, they're just suffering. And they're going through hell. They're going through Gehenna. And they're not happy. And they don't have to go home. They can stay in the street till four. And they don't have any rules. How to get dressed. And they don't have to be home. They got no rules. And they're miserable. So you got to take drugs. Because when you're in pain, you, you, you got to take anesthesia. So it's just... It's just it, the cholera goes from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. You know, to the next thing. Yeah, the first time you gamble and you win, you're happy. And then all of a sudden you're in GA because you lost your credit cards. You lost your wife. You lost your kids. You lost your house. Nobody wants to deal with you. Nobody trusts you. Nobody wants to invest with you. Nobody wants to hire you because you're a gambler. And, and you're sitting there in GA with a bunch of 10 guys, you know, 20 guys sitting around the table who are mamish sabachan. They're broken. You know? You know, that, that, you know I, not to make fun of them, but, you know, a guy gets up and says, you know, I'm, a, I'm an AA. I am, I am a weak 
sober. And everybody's clapping. Right? And they should clap because it's very hard to be a week sober if you're an addict. And they should clap. But, but, but a person who's didn't go down that road and he walks into that room, he's like, you're happy that you're a week sober? My whole life I've been sober. Because I, I didn't need to go any. I didn't need, I didn't need to dull the pain. Now sometimes the pain is self-afflicted. Sometimes the pain is life. There's nothing to talk about. And, and, and not everybody can do it, but Lamaisa, the interesting thing is that in all the A's, the way that they want you to deal with your pain, right, is not to drink. So how do I deal with my pain? God has to be brought into the picture. There's no atheist in AA. You can't be. We'll throw you out. Guy gets up and says, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in high power. I think the world just exploded. Sorry, you can't be part of this group. So, so they, they, they understand that sort of that, that reaction, that, that, that relationship. And there's no Shiloh because at the end of the day, if it's God's fault, so I, what am I, what am I going myself crazy for? If he's running the world, then, you know, go with the flow. You know, you, you stop, you stop killing yourself for it. You start accepting. One of the biggest problems when a person can't accept, can't accept his life, can't accept the people in his life, can't accept the situation, so he fights, and he fights, and he fights. And, and that ends up causing a lot of friction, and that ends up causing a lot of pain. And that's why life coaching, whether you agree with it or you don't agree with it, is so big today, because life coaching teaches one thing, coping skills. In other words, you're in this room, and it's 90 degrees, and we can't get out of this room. Right? So you can either sit in this room and be like, I can't believe I'm going through this. Right? Which will cause you to sweat even more. And get angry and start screaming, get me out of here, but you can't get out of here. The doors are locked, you can't get out of here. So you can keep screaming, get me out of here. You're just going to waste a lot of energy, schwitz a lot more, and not get out of here. Life coaching is to say, okay, we're in this room. We're not getting out of this room right now. So now, let's sit here for a minute and figure out how to cope in this room. Okay, we have napkins. Let's... You know, use them. Um, let's open our shirts, right? Cope with, and that, that's, the, that's the godless of life coaching. Life coaching is to, be, to learn coping skills. One of the greatest coping skills is to realize that you're not in control. And if you're not in control, then you stop fighting. You know, it's sort of, um, I always tell you that the Zaya says that whatever's in the physical world is in the spiritual world. I lived in Muncie, so I did a lot of skidding on ice and snow. And you know one thing about driving, a, a guy that's a good driver in snow and ice, we know, and I got used to it, is that when you're in a skid, don't fight it. If you fight it, you're going to flip. you got to go with the skid. Don't fight the skid. You go with it, you brake slowly, you pump, you relax, you're not going to hit anything. You go the other way, slam on the brakes, you're going to spin like a little top, you're going to hit 15 trees, you're gone. Go with the skid. So when you're, when you're going through things in life and you understand that God, I'm, this is whatever it is, it's not, wasn't my choice and this is where I'm at, you gotta go with it. And while you're going with it, you gotta take it easy and you gotta cope with it. If you're gonna fight it, you're gonna, you're gonna end up in a very bad place. You're gonna end up in a lot of pain, you're gonna end up depressed, you're gonna end up popping oxys and popping a lot of other stuff, and in the end you're gonna be addicted, and in the end you're gonna lose everything that you have. And, and the Torah is telling this, the Torah is the first psychology book by a long shot. And the Torah is telling this in, in Tupsukim. The Torah is telling you there's not a, there's no bracha for keeping the mitzvahs. The bracha is keeping the mitzvahs. 
you know, it's sort of like a marriage. There's no blessing because you get along with your wife. The blessing is that you get along with your wife. There's no curse that you don't get along with your wife. The curse is that you don't get along with your wife. It's not like, oh, if you get along with your wife, you're going to get a chocolate cake. The biggest blessing in the world is if you and your wife get along and you live together, and the Gemara says, a good woman, a good marriage, a good, is a good life. Isha raw, a bad marriage, is, is chai raw. Not that if you have a bad marriage, it's going to happen. The bad marriage is bad. That's the, that's the punishment. And the good marriage, that's the biggest, that's the biggest brach in the world. And if you see a couple, like a, a good couple that gets along with each other, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And God forbid you see a couple that doesn't get along with each other, it's, it's very pitiful and it's, it, it rips your heart out that two people, that, you know, got together, can't make it work. And usually they could. They just, they just don't know how to communicate. I, I have never in my life seen so many young couples with the, the lacking of the, of the ability to communicate. They just they don't hear each other. The marks don't hear each other. They just turn off. And, 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 and this has a lot to do with it. A lot to do with it. Just today, I, just today I dealt with two and a half hours. The guy's on his phone the whole time. And, 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 and he said, no, I listened to her. And I said to him, you might listen to her, but you don't pay attention to her. He said, what, do you, what does that mean? I'm like, you could talk, I could talk to you. And you're saying, yeah, yeah, Rabbi, yeah, Rabbi, Rabbi. You're not paying attention to what I'm saying. I said, a, person, a, a woman would rather you pay attention to her for two minutes than listen to her for ten. She knows when you're not paying attention. You can listen to someone for an hour and not hear them. Just turn off because your mind is in your business and you're this and you're that and you're that. And they very much, females very much need attention. And males very much don't like to give attention. So it's a very big problem. And we and with a lack of communication skills, you know, so, so you pretty much all that you know about marriage is what you see by your parents. And if that wasn't a good marriage, you're in big trouble. Because nobody teaches you marriage. It's a very big trouble. And I, I think that before we start chassan classes for guys, we have to give them, and girls, same thing, we have to give them classes on, on how to be married, on how to have a relationship, how to have a good relationship. A guy's relationship is very simple. It's a slap on the back. Yeah, what's up? That's it. How you doing? What's going on? How's business? Great. Whatever it is, let's go watch a game. It doesn't work with a woman. She needs a lot more attention than that. But they would rather get real attention than the, you know, you know, the talking, talking, talking. And I know guys that sit at work late, late at night playing solitaire. They're not working. They just don't want to go home. Because it's like scratching. It's like coming to the house, like her voice just, it's like, ah, it's like scratching me. Like, you know, he, does, he doesn't, he doesn't want to communicate. He can't, he can't communicate. And she, on the other hand, yeah, after a while, she gets, she gets, uh, she gets pretty, pretty upset and, um, frustrated. So it, the voice starts to become screaming and loud tone and that's what his mother used to do to his father and that triggers stuff. So he already turned off of what his mother used to do to him and that's his female relationship. So he's already, she's already, he's already turned off. Meanwhile, she is coming from a family where she wasn't number one because she was in the middle of the family and she wasn't the greatest one in school. So her sister got all the attention. So she wants to get married to become number one. And this guy, doesn't make her number one because his phone is number one and his friends are number one and his business is number one. So she's coming into the marriage to find this person who's going to think that she's number one, which she's always dreamt to be, but her parents didn't give her. He's coming into the marriage because he's looking for someone who's not going to yell at him and not going to put him down, but she's going to put him up because his mother always put him down or put her father, his father down. 
And now they come into this marriage and they found the exact opposite of what each one needs. And have a good day. And this happens over and over and over and over again. Can it be fixed? Of course it can be fixed. Because really many of these kids really like each other. But they have no idea how to communicate. Their whole communication is, is, is this. And this is not, this is not, this is not real. This is not love. This is not caring. This is not emotion. This is, this is digits and a, and a piece of metal. And, and by the time we realize it, you know, cause who do you have in life really? You grow old, you know? When you're young, it's one thing. When you grow old, your friends all have kids. You know, I have friends. I never thought there would be a day that I wouldn't be playing basketball three times a week with my boys, because I always used to do that. And I never believed there would be a time I'd go on vacation without my, my three friends. My friends all have grandchildren. They don't have time for me. I have grandchildren. I don't have time for them. I have, can I have 10 grandchildren? I'm going to start going out with my friends. I'm going to bring 10. He's going to bring 10. We have 60 grandchildren sitting there, you know, by dinner, whatever it is. So this, this belief when you're young, Right, my whole life is my friends, and it is. I was, I, I was young once upon a time, and it was my friends. Later on in life, they're gone, and 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 if you're if you're divorced or you, your marriage is no good and you're not doing good with your kids, then all of a sudden they don't have anything to do with you because they don't want their kids seeing how you bring up your kids or your, their grandchildren. And all of a sudden, these guys, I mean, all of a sudden you're on this like oasis by yourself. And, and it, whether you're married or you're not married, your marriage is not good. You, you, you all of a sudden, at 40, 50 years old, extremely alone. Because I, I told this guy today, I said, at the end of the day, your simcha, your life is your family. Really, at the end of the day, that's where it's going to be. And many people die alone. And, and you know, nursing homes, there's a lot of guys there. In nursing homes, I just was in a nursing home, Nebuch. Nebuch, I went somewhere, whatever it is, and, and I walked in and had all these people lined up and all these guys, men lined up. And they had this guy singing from the 1960s, whatever it is. They're all, they're all sitting there, mom's half asleep, whatever it is. So I asked the guy, I said, you know, do they get a lot of visitors? He says, no, most of them, nobody comes. So they invested into their friends, and they invested into their businesses, and they invested into their phones. But at the end of life, there's nothing there. They're in a wheelchair. They pull them in, they pull them out. They're really a piece of money. They bill them every, every bed. They bill them every time they go see a doctor, you know, and, and they're just a piece of chunk that's producing money for the nursing home. That's it. Keep them alive because as long as you keep them alive, that's what you become. Just a piece of meat with nothing. There's Zeha Klola. It's the biggest Klola. The biggest Klola is to be alone. And, 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 and when you're young, you don't realize that. And, and, the Torah is telling us that if you have a connection to Hashem and you keep his mitzvahs and you have a family it's forever it's forever you're never alone if it's a functional family you can have a family and you can still be alone but most of the time it's a functional family that's what you have at the end of the day you get your pictures of your grandchildren and your children and you look around you're retired so you don't have that money you know you might have a bank account and you can look at that all day but the excitement of making a deal you know making that money it's over you know 65 70 it's done you know so after that what do you what do you what do you have you have your family you know you have your wife and if you have a good life nothing nice you go to Florida and you see these old couples and they're still laughing it's like it's like it's like the biggest buck in the world but they're both still alive you know, mostly the, mostly the women are alive. The men die earlier. Go figure out why, but whatever. There's a joke about that. So why do why do the men die before the before their wives? Because they want to. But whatever. That's, that's, that's that old Jewish joke. But but seriously, it's it's the biggest bracha. The biggest bracha. So I want I want to talk. I want to read you. Um, 
I want, I, want, I, I want to give you guys something tonight that I didn't have as a youngster, and I was just telling my friends about this. Probably the most, one of the most amazing stories I've ever read. And whoever's married here, I mentioned when you are married, you have to do this. I, I feel bad. I didn't know about this. I would have done this with my kids. Um, this is an amazing story, an amazing, amazing lesson, um, an amazing lesson to teach your kids. So whoever's married and has kids, you can start. You can start it right now. He says a story like this. There was a man, there was a Rav, who went to a town called Strasbourg. Okay, so in last week's Pasha in Akrev, it says that a person should, that we should walk in God's ways. What does that mean, you should walk in God's ways? So he says, God is merciful, we should be merciful. God gives kindness, we should be still kind. Anyway, he says the following story. Now read the story. He says, there was a Tamachacham, a Rav, a rabbi, a tzaddik, who came from Eretz Yisrael, and he went to the city of Strasbourg. Where's Strasbourg? I don't know where Strasbourg is. In Vienna? Yeah. It's in France? Yeah. Right, okay. So I guess, I guess it was in France. It's just the city of Strasbourg. And he was supposed to stay. He went for Shabbos. And he was supposed to stay in, in somebody's house. When he got there, he discovered that the guy's house he was supposed to stay in left. So he had no place to spend Shabbos. He didn't know what to do. So he left his suitcases near the shul. And he went inside the shul for Kabbalah Shabbos. And he stood in the corner, this rub. He didn't know anybody in Strasbourg. He was coming from here to Stroll. And he was very downtrodden. So he had no idea where to turn. He didn't know who to talk to. You know, he didn't know anyone there. At the end of davening, so a distinguished-looking Jew approached him. And he said, you look a little bit lost. We're, we're having your Shabbos meals. So... He was sort of embarrassed. Ah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But he he understood that this guy didn't have a place, so he said, "Come come home with me. Stay by me. Eat with me." Okay. So he go, he's going to this guy's house. When he comes to the house, so he sees the man has eight children, him and his wife, ten people. But he sees eleven places were set at the table. Right when he gets to the house, so eleven seven right. So even though the family only had 10, so now he's thinking, oh my gosh, someone's coming, I'm in someone's place. You know, like, you don't set, you don't set a plate for someone that you don't know that's coming. So at some point during Shabbos, that he found out that this boy, that this host studied Yerushalayim and used to eat in his parents' house. You know how Hashem makes things happen. Okay. Anyway, several years later, Talachachim again finds us in Strasbourg. And this time... He found himself being the guest of the same family Friday night. When he enters the house, he notices again that there's an extra place, you know, at the table. Um, this time he couldn't contain his curiosity, so he said to the kid that was sitting next to him, why do your parents set an extra, you're only ten, why do they set eleven? So listen to this chinuch. So the kid says that every week before our father goes to shul, he stands in a corner before he goes to Shul, and he damaged to Hashem that we should have a guest. So we always set an extra place in, in anticipation that our father's tefillah will be accepted and somehow there'll be a guest that'll come to our house. So he said, so how does it work? Do guests, do death, do you have a lot of guests? Do they come very often? So the kid said, no, they don't come at all. Uh, he said that not too many Jews visit this city, Strasbourg, and, um, it's not a stopover in transit, so no, it's very rare for our father to bring home a guest. So he's like, I don't understand why your father does this. So he went, this, this rough went to the, 
to the father and um, he asked him why do you set an extra place before Shabbos there's no one you know there's usually no guests here um, if, if a guest does show up why don't you just set the table when the guy shows up in other words you're leaving a, a place open your kids are having these hopes that you know you're going to come home with Elio Novi like you know by Shrek HaMaskan the Seder night right and you come home and there's no guests so you're sort of letting them down every Friday night so if someone shows up like me so you just say okay put another you know put, put another chair put another setting that's what he asked them so he says we do it for two reasons one to imbue in the children the love and the longing for the mitzvah of Archam. and therefore so sort of all the kids are like davening we hope a guest will come what's going to happen when they get older they're always going to want that a guest should always come to their house so he's putting in his chinuch that's one he says two which is I hold even, even bigger he says listen when you bring a guest into your house and you set the, a new place for him so he's thinking they didn't expect me so they only made enough food for ten so now I'm the extra guest everyone's going to eat a little bit less so when a person comes into the house and the setting's made already means that they're expecting someone to come so they're prepared for someone to come so the person the guest himself doesn't feel that doesn't feel bad that I'm making the family you know eat less so there's two points here one for the guest when he walks in oh they set a place good so I have a place that they're, they're all prepared for me so he shouldn't feel bad and the second is for the children to uh, to you know Tati Davin maybe he's gonna, you know they were looking at the window maybe he's going to come home with someone and of course when he came home with this rub they were all going crazy like a you know, Mashiach came like a Leonovi came I'm, no, I'm telling you that, I'm telling you that if I would have read this story when I had little kids I would have told my wife that you know Baruch Hashem I have five daughters me and my wife seven I told her to set the table for eight what a lesson unbelievable lesson anyone who has kids is what you need to do set one extra place at the table for Shabbos they're going to ask you Tati why are you doing this saying because from now on I'm going to try to find and show guests to come for Shabbos what a crazy chinuch and you Tati should bring home and, and they're going to be so excited because you're bringing into your house the excitement of having guests of having people I have to tell you that my grand my, my I, I, I'll tell you a story from my grandparents over Shalom my grandmother and my grandfather lived on 98th Street and between and between West End and Broadway. Now, at the time that they lived in, you're talking way back, I'm 56 years old, so I'm talking 52 years ago, that I, when I was four, three, four years old, that I could remember. But they were there already before that. There was, maybe they, I, I think they came to America in maybe 49, something like that, whatever it was. They lived on the West Side, and there were a lot of, it wasn't what it is today at all, and they had tenements there. But a lot of poor people on Broadway would sleep, the drunks and the derelicts would sleep on the benches on Broadway. Well, every block had benches. That's where they would sleep. There were some never very poor Jews who had come from Europe, who had nothing, and they were beggars and they would sleep. My grandmother, over Shalom, and my grandfather always had these people over for Shabbos. I remember as a kid that I could not stay in the dining room it smelled from urine the stench in that dining room when these people were there I could not I went to the kitchen to eat I could not as a kid sit in that room my grandparents sat with these people fed these people took care of these people and I saw this 
as a kid, which was huge chinuch for me. Even by the Seder, and they had some crazy people that were never crazy. This one guy was a young guy. He wasn't mentally all there. Came from the war, and he said he was in the FBI, and he did forensics. He, I was a little kid, and he was catching all the bad people, and I was, like, enthralled with this guy. And he had an FBI badge, a fake badge, and a, like a police hat. He was a little not normal, whatever it was. They had him there every, every single place on Seder that I was there as a kid. And there was a really poor, really, with, with like six coats and soiled stuff. It was really terrible. It was really terrible. They always had him there. Okay. My father, over Shalom, one day, comes home Sunday morning from Basis Israel from the Shulam Ansi, with this guy that Mamish looked like one of those, those people. Here all over, you know, he's here, very long, soiled jacket, filthy, long nails. Like, like a street person, like a, like a beggar, like a street person. My mother's like, what's the deal? My father's like, he was in shul, he has nothing to eat. Well, have him here, you know, for Sunday, whatever it is. So he sits there and he eats and he eats and he puts stuff in his pockets and whatever it is. Fine, fine. What happens? Um, he asked my father if he can come for Shabbos. So, to make a long story short, he lived, because I used to go upstairs to get to carry his luggage. He lived in the east side, um, the lower east side, in a building that had hardly any windows, no heat, one of these Bronx, you know, Bronx-looking tenements that totally lived. The floor in his apartment was all newspapers, like New York Times. Filthy place, cockroaches, mice. It was, it was like, I was scared to, after a while, I didn't, I, I told my father, I can't go up there, I was scared I was going to get bitten. Like, really, really, we have him every single Shabbos in my house. My mother, you know, because the Isha has a little different look, my mother said to my father, this guy's not a poor guy. Because one time, she, he went to Donald, whatever, and she went to clean up his room, and, and, and the Wolf, he had the Wall Street Journal, and there were things circled in the Wall Street Journal. So my mother's like, my father, my father, Rashom said, if he's not a poor guy, he's a sick guy. Because look how he lives, right? So whether he's a poor guy, he's not. The Gemara says that even if a person has money, but he thinks he's poor, you have to, you have to take care of him. Because he's sick, so he thinks he's poor. Okay. To make a long story short, one, one, he doesn't call us up this one week, whatever it is, and to make a long story short, he died. This is after years of him coming to my house. He died. And the New York Times, like he died on a Saturday or Friday, whatever, Thursday, whatever it was, the New York Times, like two days later, has this whole thing. His name was Goldstein. It has this whole thing, obituary, whatever, and they found like three and a half million dollars in stock certificates in his apartment, which went to his closest relative, whatever it was. So you think that my father would be like Tzabrachim. I was, you're feeding an onion, but he wasn't an onion, he was a very rich man. Father had no problem with it. No problem. Maybe they didn't leave us the money, but he had no, no, but he didn't have a problem with that. He had no problem with it. He said he was not well, and this is what he had. Where did that come from? Because he saw it by his parents. Now I'll take you to another level. So I started teaching, and I started teaching in the Bronx. My first year I taught was in a yeshiva called Torah Vermuna, which was in the Bronx. You're talking, I'm teaching 36 years. So you're talking 35 years ago. When the Bronx was not, was broken tenements, you know, all the windows were broken out, and these were the Jews that were left in the Bronx that had absolutely no money. So I came to teach a term when I'm a young guy, 20 years old, 
and I uh, I invite four kids to my house for Shabbos in Muncie we have a nice house whatever it is I invite them to my house for Muncie and I, this was my first teaching yeshiva being you know of kids and these were very poor kids they were I used to give them buy them food they were very very poor kids but we picked them up tackle from tenements whatever it is I brought them to house for Shabbos we had a great Shabbos it was great Muncie Shabbos I take them bowling and we go bowling I come back and my mother says I need to talk to you okay Ma what's going on she says when you went bowling I went into their room right my parents are yekis so they don't like messes right I went to the room their clothing was all over the place so I was gonna I was gonna fold it and put it into their suitcases I opened up their suitcases all my jewelry was in it and all the silver they stole the silver when we went to Davin one of them I think said he didn't feel well whatever it was so we all went to Shul he, he went into my mother's jewelry he took all her jewelry he stole all her jewelry stole her silver right so I went upstairs to my father and he said to me do not say a word to them I'm like they stole mommy's jewelry they took your silver I'm taking them home right now in the middle of the night I'm out of here what are you, what are you kidding what do you mean he says Chaya we took all the jewelry back we took all the silver back when they open up their suitcase they're going to know that we know there's no reason for you to say anything to them I would have killed them I would have killed them right now listen to this okay so that's already whoa like I mean they stole your jewelry like don't say anything to them he said the bush are enough you're going to open up. They're going to know. We found it. Right? They know. They got, they got caught. What do you have to add to that for? Scottless. He should sit in Canada just for that. I mean, Scottless, right? You know what he says to me? Invite him again for Shabbos. I'm like, Dad, what are you talking about? He says, this time we'll hide everything. And where did that come from? Where did that come from? That's crazy. I'm not on that level. Where did that come from? And the answer is, because he sat at his parents' table was a table of chesed and he saw that by his parents so he learned that from his parents I saw that by my parents right and that that goes from generation to generation to generation and that that's chinuch chinuch is not telling your kids what to do chinuch is showing your kids what to do and therefore this story I really feel if you're a young young people you have young kids now's the time don't wait now's the time to set whoever's watching this this is probably the, a game changer. A game changer in your children's chinuch. Set an extra place at your Shabbos table. Set an extra place. Let them ask you why. And tell them, this is for a guest if he comes. We don't want him to feel that because he came, people are going to get less. And that's, and Taka's going to go to shul. And I'm talking about one of the things that we have a problem in New York. Out of town, after davening, they, people come over to you and say, you need a place to eat, you need a place to eat, you need a place, you have a place. In New York, we're, we're so busy and we're so, we don't, we don't have, a lot of people complain to me, you know, I come to Shul and nobody asks me even do I have a place for Shabbat, do I have a place to eat, you know, and it's not, it's not right. And, and, and therefore, yeah, maybe we talk, it should be more conscious and invite someone over for Shabbat. Because as much as you talk about Chesed, if you don't have someone sitting at your table, it, then they're not learning this lesson. Look at the level it can go to. Invite them again for Shabbos? We'll hide the silver. We'll hide the stuff that they won't find it. They should come back for Shabbos and take them bowling, give them food, you give them money for clothing, whatever it was. And, and, and it was a yakka. So, you know what I mean? It's not, his meters were, were very black and white. 
This is totally off the box, out of the box. Because his, his mother and father were, were, were out of the box. I'm telling you, I, I couldn't sit in that room. It stunk so bad for these people. And they had them every Shabbos. My grandmother made food. And my, my grandparents were yekas. So cleanliness. But then, you know, they washed out the plastic fruit bag. I mean, my, my, they were very, 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 very clean. So for them, it was totally connected their, their, their me to who they were. And, 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 and this is something which, when I read it, I'm like, this is something we could all do. For me to do it, I mean, my kids are married already, and, you know, I have grandchildren. So there's like, no, it's me and my wife at the table and my, and one daughter. But the mice, if you have young kids, there's no shiloh. This is a, this is a game changer. We even had to pay such seder. Should be one empty seat in case someone's going to be in shul and needs a seder. It's bigger. It's bigger than having someone come. You know, in other words, all those times that no one's there, the kids are like, Hashem, please send us a guest. The kid that grows up every Friday night, standing in the corner and saying, Hashem, come on tonight, give me a guest. Automatically, when he gets married, of course he wants a guest. That's who he is. That's who he was brought up. Godless. This, this story, it shook me. It totally shook me. It's, 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 it's really, really, really godless. Anyway, so this is something that's not just a story. This is something that you can, uh, that you can do something with. Okay, let me go back. Two more stories and I'll let you go. I once told you a story about Shmuel Budni like this. But, but again, the, the Torah is telling us over here. We'll, we'll learn the Medjish Rabbah next week on, uh, on why we should learn, what we should learn from the ants. Namalam, it's an unbelievable, beautiful, beautiful magic next week. Um, let's go back to our Pasha, right? So again, let's go back to A, where it says, I'm giving to today the Bracha and Klala, and the Bracha is listening to Akash Bracha, right? So, I told you once a story about my Rosh Hashiva, right? Rosh Hashiva, I told you whole story with Hillel and Shammai, the person that was sick. Okay, so when you finish a Masechta, when you finish a Masechta in Gemara, so there's a Hadrin that we say at the end. And in the Hadrin, we say, we're sort of talking to the Gemara, we will not forget you, and you should not forget us, in this world and in the world to come. Okay, so I understand that if I finish Masechta Shabbos, so I'm saying, in the next world, you better stand up there for Masechta Shabbos, I learned you. But what is Masechta Shabbos going to do for you in this world? What does it mean? What does it mean that Masechta Shabbos shouldn't forget me? It's a, it's a, it's a book. How can, it, how can it remember me or forget me? This is a crazy story. He says a story like this. This is, this is written in a book, Elena Shabayah, and it's written, it's actually was said by Rabbaruch Mordechai Ezrahi, who's, who's, who I just saw, he was by, actually by my son, by my daughter's wedding. He's Rosh Hashiva of Ateris Yisrael in Israel. And they asked, he asked this question, and he said, they asked him this question. What does that mean that the Mesechda, right, shouldn't forget you in this world? He said the following story. He said that he heard this from Rosh Hashiva, that he heard it from the person who witnessed it firsthand. He said in the town of Mir, in Poland, there was a big tzaddik, big tamachachim. His name was Rav Aaron. And he used to sit all day long in the base medrash. And he learned Torah from morning to night. And he had a chavusa. Chavusa's name was Rav Nachum. So these two used to learn together. But Rav Aaron never left the base medrash to go home for lunch. Instead, someone would bring him food for, he would go home at night, but the whole day he wouldn't even leave for lunch. Someone would bring him food for lunch. One day, Rav Nachum, his chavusa, Rav Aaron's chavusa, became very ill. And his condition was critical. So, 
the guy who used to bring lunch to to um, to to Rav Aaron came to the shul to bring him lunch, and the doors were locked. Now the doors to the base medrash were never locked, so he couldn't understand what's Rav Aaron doing in there. That he doesn't want anyone to see. So he climbed up on a ladder because he had lunch. He wanted to get it to. He climbed up on a ladder and he looked through the window to see what's going on in the base medrash. Listen to this. So he says he he looked into the window in the base medrash, and he saw Rav Aaron was standing in front of the Arna Kodesh where the, the Sifrei Torah were and the Arna Kodesh was open and he was screaming Masech was Baba Kama how are you going to let my Chavrusa be sick Masech is Yuma how can you forget all the time the Torah has learned you Masech uh, is have you forgotten just because he's sick you forgot about him right we learned together we learned you so many times that he was talking to the Masech with the Arna Kodesh open screaming and he said he was watching this. He could. He, uh, it was like a weird thing to watch. The rub is he's yelling. You know, he's talking to to books. He's like, "How could you forget us? We used to learn you. And how are you letting him be sick? He used to learn you all the time with me." He says, and Rav Nachum completely recovered. He says, "So we see from here that there is such a thing as a masechta, not forgetting the person who learned it and toiled over it." And, and I, I mean, I know such, I know of such a story with, with Shmuel Bermam, but there's a, there's a Gemara, and the Gemara says a very, very famous story that this person used to learn one chapter, one tractate of Gemara all the time. Mesechtis Chagiga. It's a very famous story. And that's what he learned all the time. Over and over and over. You know, so we learned Dafyami, we learned many Mesechtis. This was his Mesechtis, he owned it. He knew it by heart, he learned it, this was his baby. Mesechtis Chagiga. The Gemara says the story. When he died, so they were going to the Leviah. And there was a woman that was following the funeral dressed in black. And everyone knew each other in the town. This woman was dressed in black. Who is she? They didn't recognize whatever it is. So after they buried him, the rov of the town went over to her and said, You know, I saw you by the Leviah. How do you know the person who died? You know, what's your name? Who are you? She said, I'm a Sechtas Chagiga. It's in the Gemara. And since he learned me all the time and he knew me so well, I came from the other world. So we were I'm out of here. And she disappeared and that was it. He owned that Masechta was something that he learned. You want to be benched? You got to keep the mitzvah. That's the bracha. That leads to a good life. Hashem, I hope to bring the pictures to show you. That leads to a palm's face. That leads to a Shmuel Buddhi's face. That leads to a Shmuel Burmau's face. That leads to to Rav Chaim Kainevsky's face. You will never see Rav Chaim giving a mean face, right? Rav Eilustein, what's with you? Rav Feinstein. I saw him. I had this chus of seeing Rav Moshe Feinstein. The, the day before I got married, I went to him for a bracha on the east side. I walked into his room, and he was sitting at a Gemara. I went to get a bracha. The man looked up at me. It was like looking at a, a light bulb. Beautiful. He was a short, the most beautiful face. Now, what do I mean, beautiful face? He's he, he, a GQ. He's on the cover of a, you know, he's a stud. You know, he was like, it was holy. It was light. It was, it was soft. That's the word. It was sweet. Look at those other people's faces. 
They're bitter and they're mean. It was sweet. Right? Palm's face was sweet. Always you look at even today. There's a rub who comes to my house to give brachas, whatever it is. You look at this man's face. You don't have to know who he is. I wish I, one, one day when he's here, if, he, if it comes down on a Tuesday night, I'll bring him in here to give you brachas. You just look at his face and you, and you have a bracha. You just look at his face and you're like, you're like, you become the most calm person. Rav Herschel Mispinka, who was my Rebbe, he died 13 years ago, whatever it is. Anybody who knows him, you walked into the room, no matter what pain you were in, you were coming to him with a lot of problems, whatever pain he was in, you'd walk up to him and he would, he used to shake your hand like this. You would hold your hand and you just look at him. So I'm good. I'm good to go. You had to say one word. I'm done. It's all gone. It's like, it's all out of here. Of course he spoke to you and everything, but you didn't need it. I have a painting of him in my house. What a face. Look at his face. My shirt is not good tonight because I don't have the pictures with me. If I could show you these pictures, it would blow you out of the door. You look at his face, at at, at Herschel's face, and you're just like, I I love this man. What do you mean? You don't know him. I know, but he's such a loving man. What do you mean? How do you know? It's just a warmth. It's a beauty. It's acceptance. It's, it's, it's comforting. It's hugging. It's, it's Torah. It's Shechina. And that's what, that's what Pasha's Re'eh, that's what, Re'eh, look, look. Just look. You look different. It changes who you are. It changes your Re'eh. It changes your, your whole look in life. And, and there's no Shiloh. If there's a Tzadik and you look at him and he looks bitter, there's something, he's not a Tzadik. He's not a Tzadik. Moshe Rabbeinu had a Karen R. A tzaddik is someone who, who who you just look at him and you just it's just it's just a calming effect. It's just and and and, and that's what Tyra does. That's what real Tyra does. That's what real Tyra. They're not walking around like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. Just the opposite. They're happy. They're connected. They're connected to their source. When you're connected to your source, then you're complete. You're complete. When you're disconnected from your source, you're totally incomplete. You're looking. We're all looking to, be, to connect to our source. The problem is that we're looking in all. You know, like the song goes, we're looking for for love in all the wrong places, and we're trying to connect to our source through all these through these things. When when the way to connect to your source is, is through is through the Torah, which which you can digest slowly. Nobody's yelling at you. Nobody's screaming at you. You can study and you can learn and. And you can feel good and you can connect and there's no buzzing in your hair in your ears like this thing over here. Just the music. The, the pain is so bad. You know, I have these kids that um, they go to these clubs that that um, what is it called? Raving. So they go raving. Raving, some of you in this room know what it is, some of you don't. But but any normal person would watch this, you would think that you're in the Congo somewhere. I don't know where you are, right? <laughs> The music is so loud that the speakers are under the floor. And the music is so loud that the floor is bouncing, right? It's pretty much blowing out your brain without the E, without all the other garbage, taking that, without that, because that's already not enough. You know, it's going and, and getting your ears blown out, and that the floor is jumping. Your mom is like, you're a monkey in the jungle, right? You're, the floor is jumping. The noise is, is, is you know, you, you, your ears are ringing for three days, right? So just so that I don't feel the pain. In other words, there's so much noise in my head that I can't think, I can't feel, I, right? It's not enough. You still got to take drugs on top of that. That's how sick we are. That's what a klala, what a curse is. It was so disconnected. You could put me in a room, the floor is jumping, everybody's jumping, the light, right, the, the place is so loud, not enough. I'm so deep in the garbage that I got to take drugs on top of that. And sometimes I got to OD, that even the, I got to take more drugs. And the Torah tells you, if that's the way you're going to go, 
and you're going to go after the Kimah Kherim, in the end, it's a big fat curse. You're not going to be happy. You're going to blow your brains out, and you're still not going to be happy. And you're going to get abused, and all that stuff, and you're going to wake up abused and through who knows what, and what do you have? A koa. It's a koa. And that's what the Torah is telling us. Not that if you don't listen to the Torah, I'm going to burn you. You're going to... No, that is the kola. The kola is being disconnected. That is the biggest pity that a person can be connected to God. That's his source. And that he's disconnected from his source. It's like a miscarriage, Chas Rishon. You're connected to something and then you're just, you're just disconnected and you're gone. You're gone. You're just not here no more. And that's the biggest kola that a person can have. So this is, this parasha where we're, we're approaching... You know, all of it stands for Elul Ba. We're, 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 we're approaching Elul. And, 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 and the basis of Elul is, is, you know, I was just telling someone today, like, because so many, so many Jewish people are so, look at Judaism as such a, such a hard rulership, dictatorship. I've heard every single word, nasty word. It's a dictatorship. You don't have a choice. You don't have this. You don't have that. Really. So what does Elul mean? El, El is the month before Judgment Day. What, is, what does Hashem say to you? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to burn you. I'm going to give you diseases. Hashem says, you know, Elo, I need Elo, I'm to my loved one. What does Elo stand for? I'm to my loved one, and my loved one is to me. Does that sound like something really terrible? Does that sound demeaning? Does that sound like a dictatorship? Communism? Pain? Right? El, Hashem saying, Elo, the month that we're walking into Tishrei, right? Tishrei is the creation of the world. So I'm saying, Elo, the month, what is it? Ani, Ladaidi, Ladaidi Li. It sounds like a Hallmark card. Seriously. I'm to my loved one, and my loved one. Does that sound like a mean? Judaism is like this crazy, sick thing. So the whole basis of the relationship that we have with God is Ani, Ladaidi, Ladaidi Li. It's a relationship. Hashem says, not only. I love you, you love me. It's a, it's a double relationship. You love me and I love you. It's a marriage. But just like marriage doesn't work if you, if you don't put anything into it and you're busy with everything else, marriage doesn't work either. That relationship doesn't work. So you cut off from your source. Once you cut off from your source, you have this crazy void and this crazy pain. And even AA understands that to get back to it, you got to get connected back to your source. Even the Goyim, even alcoholics and, and, and gamblers, and all the other A's, right? Understand, they come to groups religiously. Religiously. They don't miss. And they have a sponsor, like a Lubavitcher, that reminds them, right? He does care of. When, you, when you're in trouble, call me. Remind them that there's one above, and you got to be connected, and don't take that drink, and you have a sponsor. I wish we had that. I wish. I said, we're in the world. We, we did the wrong. We should have... Right? I guess Jew A. I don't know what you want to call it. J A. Right? Where every guy gets a sponsor. And every time you want to do an Aveira, you call your sponsor. It works in AA. It really does. Like the guy's like, oh man, I need a drink. Okay, right? What do you do? You call up your sponsor. And he talks you out of it. So we should have the same thing. You want to do an Aveira. Like tonight I want to do an Aveira. All right, I'll call up Rabbi Wallstein and he'll talk me out of it. Every single guy should have a sponsor. It would be amazing. Right? It's not such a bad idea. We'll call it J A and we'll start a new group and We'll all come in. First thing we're going to say is, we believe in a higher power. We're already way ahead of a lot of guys. Right? I believe in a higher power. Fantastic. We believe in Achdus. And today I didn't do any Averis. And you get a little thing. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not saying that's a joke. And you feel good. Maybe, maybe we should do that, you know? Right? No, maybe we should do that. But Lemaisa, Lemaisa, Kosh Baruch is telling us, 
And that's what this week's parish is telling us. That at the end of the day, I just, want, I just want to have a relationship with you. And, and, and at the end of the day, and there's two things in Elo, right? It's also Elo. It's not only me and you. Judaism is not just, Judaism is not just you and God. That's not what our religion is. Just as important as you and God is you and the next person. So it's, 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 it's not where a religion where just serve the king, dictatorship. Hakash Baruch says, no, you know, sometimes... Sometimes it's more important that how you treat somebody else. And by Saita, right, where a man says he thinks his wife was with a guy together, and they have to, and we don't know if he was. So what do they do? They take God's name, right, his real name, Yud Kevavke, and they write it on, the, and they write it, and then they they put it in water and they erase Hashem's name, and then she has to drink the water. If she was with another man, she dies. If she wasn't with another man, then she lives, and then because the husband. Was chayshit said that she did something that she didn't do, even if she had a hard time getting pregnant, she'll, 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 she'll get rewarded from Hashem that he was chayshit b'shem, so she'll get pregnant. So we see from there that that you're not allowed to erase God's name. It's an avera. You're not to erase God's name. But God says when it comes to shalom bayis, right, to put a man and wife together, erase my name. So God is saying that being adam lechavero is is even more important than me. And you. What religion teaches that? Erase my name to make shalom between a husband and a wife. So, this is a connection to who your source is. And therefore, Elo, Re'ei, they're right next to each other. This week, this, this Shabbos, we're going we're gonna to bench, we're gonna bench Elo. My bracha to you is, I was thinking about this when I read this story. So there's a table set in Shemayim. And it's the table of Mashiach. And there's a seat that's set and, wait, and waiting for Kleistrel to sit in. And I think it's the same way in Shemayim that Malachim are, are like, no, when's the base of Medes? When, when are you coming home with him, God? When are you bringing them home? When are you bringing the Jewish nation home? We should be Zaycha that we should fill that seat. Um, You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.